Hello, everybody. Alongside Don Helbig, I'm Ryan Sir, and welcome to The Pick 6, the podcast by The Attractions Group, where we bring you the latest stories from the attractions and amusement industry. Thank you, Ryan. Before we dive into this week's Pick 6, let me remind our listeners where they can tune in to The Attractions Podcast. You can catch us on your favorite podcast platforms, and be sure to subscribe, like, and share with your fellow attraction enthusiast. So Ryan, pick six, get us started. Yeah, so let's start with uh, story number one. All right, so in the first story, uh, Disney has announced a new community in North Carolina. Uh, so their official release says, Presenting Asteria, a story living by Disney. New home community surrounded by a Carolina, la- Carolina landscape and its breathtaking scenery. Um, located in Pittsburgh's Chatham Park, a thoughtfully designed community just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. This idyllic location will offer big city amenities as well as small town charm. So I, I'm not exactly fully understanding what they're doing with this. I, I remember when Celebration was first opened in 1994, how the big allure was that you could live on Disney World property, essentially. Um, and Celebration's cool, but this isn't near the parks. What do you think a story living situation is? Story living by Disney, by the way, is copyrighted. So they intend to roll with this at the very least. What are your thoughts on it, Don? Well, if you're a Disney fan, you know, what What better than to live in a Disney-themed uh, community, right? Uh, I really like the the location, uh, you know, that Raleigh, North Carolina, Raleigh-Durham area. Uh, it's just beautiful down there. So I think it's a perfect spot for it. Uh, but if you're a Disney fan, you know, I, I you know, I'd, I'd be all for it. Yeah, I mean, me too. But it's kind of like... Um... And I'm sure that it's going to be far more sane than the resorts, but uh, it it would be odd. It would be an odd balance as to where do you make it so it's distinctively Disney, uniquely Disney, but also you're not in the Disney bubble when you're at home. You know, it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. But yeah, we'll keep following this because it's really interesting, especially because it's not close to the parks, which is uh, relatively unique for them not building like a standalone resort or whatever. Yeah. No, but I just like the location. I think, you know, North Carolina, um, you know, great place to live in that that Raleigh area. I mean, it's just beautiful there. So I think you take the beautiful scenery and everything they have in that part of the country, you give it a, you know, that Disney magic touch. I think it can be a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I agree that it'll probably be a good thing. I'm just interested to see what the vision is. And I'm I, this is just announced the other day, so we're definitely going to find out more as time progresses. Don, what's story number two? SeaWorld Orlando, they're planning a new 504-room hotel. I always like how they just come up with these random numbers, 504, you know. But it's a way for them, I guess, to say we have more than 500 rooms. But a 504-room hotel with direct theme park access uh, this is what the documents are showing. The theme park filed an application in Orange County last week to develop a 15-story uh, hotel adjacent to its attractions near the intersection of International Drive and Central Florida Parkway, according to documents from the county's development review committee. Now, this was all obtained uh, by a, the Fox affiliate there in Orlando. Yeah, so... Um... 
Yeah, SeaWorld's the only one that is a park and not a resort, so it sounds like they're finally going to make that plunge officially. Now, there are a bunch of hotels. I've stayed at them that are SeaWorld partners, but this is going to be the first one bought by them. I've also noticed that it's always a few off of the even hundred too, with number of rooms. It's always like 303 or, you know, in this case, 504. I, I wonder why we'll have to, re- if anyone's listening to this and they know the answer, tweet well, us. I, I think it's a way to say, I think it's, a, no, I really think it's, it's, for, it's a way for them to say more than 500 rooms. That's, you know, why you. Yep. That's true. Uh, I mean, I, that's, that's the only logic I can think of, but, uh, shout out to SeaWorld. Um, you know, that park's growing and growing and I, I really like what they're doing there. I always really enjoy my time at SeaWorld. So, uh, happy to see that they are, uh, at least allegedly growing according to this, uh, document attained. It'd probably be years off. I mean, we're looking at 20, what, what is it? 20, almost 2024. That'd be 2028 before this thing opens at the earliest, but nonetheless, uh, progress is to be made with SeaWorld. All right. So it's funny. It's funny that this story came out. Um, So, you know, I mentioned in the main show of uh, the attractions group podcast that I was just at Disney over the weekend. And uh, my girlfriend and I were discussing the little mermaid show. She, I don't think I saw it either, but she did. She didn't get to see it. Uh, And that building is very much there and it sat vacant, but they have announced that uh, the Little Mermaid's musical will make a splash in 2024 while Disney World um, set to debut in the newly revitalized Animation Courtyard Theater in the fall of 2024 at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Disney said the production marks a significant leap in its commitment to enhancing the park's experience. The new show replaces Voyage of the Little Mermaid, which had been closed since the onset of COVID-19 pandemic in March 2020. So um, I had heard two different rumors about what's going on with this rumor. Number one was that the, uh, they closed the show with the pandemic and they just hadn't made a decision on what to do as far as do they want to bring it back? Do they want to put a new show in there and so on? And that's why it's remained closed. The other rumor that I've heard, these are both just stuff I've heard online is that, uh, when they had the hurricane during the pandemic, there weren't, there wasn't the personnel there or, or something like that where they could, um, like protect the theater and it got like very mildewy and it needs to be renovated or torn down or whatever. But I guess the time frame here being fall of uh, next year, either one could be true. Really plenty of time for renovations. I almost lean towards that there, the theater isn't ready and that's why it's going to be like nine months before this opens, because I feel like they had two or three years to develop this and now they're taking an extra nine months to open it. And I feel like there's like a good reason behind that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, that was one of my favorite shows at that park, uh, Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Uh, see it, you know, at least once every time that I that I went there. Um, great show. I like. Uh, they're going to change the show. There was a room where you came in. It was like a pre-show before you went into the theater uh, type thing. They were they would need to do a lot of work with that, uh, but it doesn't look good just sitting dormant. You know, so it's great that uh, they're moving forward. They've got, uh, you know, plans for it and that, uh, you know, some variation of a Little Mermaid show will return there. Yeah, I mean, and I think the thing that's interesting is that they do a very good job of disguising things that uh, that did not um, uh, that they don't want you to see. Let's put it that way. 
Um, and this one is not, it's very undisney like it's, uh, blatantly a theater that's closed. It still has the sign for the little mermaid on it. Um, so I, I think the situation is unique, but the fact that they're going to reimagine it, uh, tells me one of two things. Number one, the one, of course, we're all hoping for is that it's a bigger, better show with better technology and, and so on. Uh, the other possibility technology is definitely improved. Yeah, the, yeah, it's definitely improved because this show has had a long, long run there. Yeah, it's uh, at least since the 90s. But um, the other possibility is that it's being rethemed to being after the live action one, which you wouldn't think they do because the the that one, you know, the, the cartoon one was very successful. The live action one barely broke even from what the public numbers state. Uh, but you might think that because they do have in, in the the theater that they also have the walt disney one man's dream you can meet ariel quote unquote from the live action adventures so they're definitely not straying away from it but um yeah i'm excited to see it it's going to be a while but uh, i'm excited to see uh, a new show there because hollywood studios does need more stuff to do i I think you could say that about a lot of the parks over there yeah it does and you know, a live show is something that's definitely missing when you when you take one out like that, uh, you notice. Uh, next is Universal Great Britain, mm-hmm. uh, the Bedford Independent. I read that every day. Uh, revealed that Universal Studios has confirmed it has purchased land near Bedford, which is explored or being explored as a possible theme park site. Uh, spokesperson for Universal Destinations and Experiences told the Bedford Independent, "This is quote." We recently acquired land in Bedford and are at the early stages of exploring its feasibility for a potential park and a resort at this site. Brian, your thoughts? Um, I, it, well, it's exciting, first of all. Uh, one thing I do worry about is, uh, and we've had this discussion about Bucky's, if every country has a universal, at what point do they cannibalize each other? At what point do people stop going to the one in Orlando because there's one in Britain? At what you know, there's a reason why Disney hasn't opened one in in Great Britain because they have one in Paris, which is accessible. Uh, so we don't know much about the project. We don't know much about what's going into it. Uh, from all uh, you know, all intents and purposes, it seems like it's going to be a normal sized full uh, theme park rather than like Universal Kids that's going to be in Texas. But I think that it's one of the things where the Universal people, the NBCU people, they're not dumb. They probably determined that the cannibalization is not going to be what they think it might be. And honestly, this might be their only park in Europe anyway. So this could be a good centralized location uh, because I probably a plurality of people that go there are from the United States, probably more than that, probably a, a pretty good majority. And they get a lot from South America, like Brazil. Um, and Europe is probably not terribly high on the on the list as far as like individual countries in Europe. So they know what they're doing, but um, it'll be exciting to see how this pans out. Uh, we're so in the early stages for like 10 years from it opening, though. <laughs> you got to remember that. Oh, exactly with that. Exactly. But no, I mean, it's, I can see why they would, you know, at least be exploring it. And if the opportunity is there, we know they've got the the deep pockets to build it. They do, because they are kind of opening a park, third park here, too, which is super exciting. Uh, the rumors down there, by the way, circulating are that it is uh, like 12 to 14 months away. That's that's what other guests were telling me. Uh, but 
uh, for Epic Universe, that is not the not the Britain one. Right. That's that's like a decade away. Okay. Anyway, um, so next up is one of our favorite subjects, the zoo. I like turtles. So the Denver Zoo recently welcomed a baby orangutan, but questions remain as to who was the father. The zoo did take the responsible route, and they called in the expert, Maury Povich. So Maury had to ask the question: Is Siska's father? 30-year-old Barani or 16-year-old Jaya? And of course, the answer was, Barani, you are the father. Uh, so I believe that he wants to be in the child's life. So congratulations on your paternity test. But Don, aren't you glad they brought in the experts this time? Oh, yeah. I mean, anytime you have a question about anything, I mean, you want Maury Povich. I mean, how does it get better than that? You know, no matter what the topic is, you know, he's got the answer. Yeah, it's funny how... Um, Talk show hosts really are perfect, you know, in the entertainment industry outside of that. Because, you know, you had Maury that, you know, decided the father of, of this orangutan. You had uh, Montel Williams announced Son of Beast, you know, all of which went great. Yeah, and you got those baby orangutans. I mean, that is always so cute when you see those little baby orangutans, right? I love zoo babies. At, at our local zoo in Cincinnati, they do zoo babies in the spring. And I like to go there and see the, the orangutans and the monkeys and stuff. Yeah. Cool. What's next? Well, we're moving on to Ohio now. Total eclipse of the point. A celestial celebration at Cedar Point sits directly in the path of totality. Experience a thrill of select rides on the boardwalk and savor specialty food and drinks at the Grand Pavilion Restaurant and Bar. Uh, you won't want to miss this rare and spectacular cosmic celebration with uh, breathtaking views of the eclipse from the sandy shores of the beach or the elevated viewing decks at Grand Pavilion. Now, more details are to come about this. I believe it's, what, April 8th, I'm thinking, is the date for that. Um, but, I'm, you know, the park's not open yet at that point in time in the year. So I really think it's good that they're using this as an opportunity uh, to have people, you know, visit the park take advantage, you know, of the boardwalk, uh, the restaurant that's there. That could be almost open year-round, that restaurant, the, the Grand Pavilion restaurant and bar. So, um, you know, I just think it's great that they're using this as an opportunity. What about you? I think it's exciting. Um, I'll be interested to see what they charge because I believe the demand will be there. They could probably charge pretty much whatever they want, really. Um, but, you know, if the timing is right and stuff, I'd be interested in going. Ride a couple rides on the on the boardwalk. Hopefully, the wild mouse will be open. That'll be fun. And then uh, check out the solar eclipse from uh, right under the totality. But hats off to Cedar Point. That's creative. Yeah, they're right in the path of that. So uh, you know, hats off again, like you said, to whoever you know realized what the opportunity could be there for that. I think it uh, it sounds pretty cool, and you know, maybe some that you and I should go do. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really fun. So let me ask you, I've got a theory about the Grand Pavilion. Um, I feel like it's designed in a manner in which they can add an exterior entrance to the beach if they want to. Have you ever, have you walked on the outside of it, like along the beach? I feel like it's asking for oh, an yeah. entrance there. You know, <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, it is. It is. The way it's built, it could be open, you know, more around and... You talk about great food at an amusement park. I was super impressed, you know, when I had some meals there. What about you? 
Yeah, uh, some one of my favorite meals I've ever had in a Miesenberger was a turkey there. But I believe our friend Chris from the Season Pass Holder Group said that they're no longer offering the turkey. So I'm going to have to choose a new favorite. Uh, but yeah, uh, some of the best food in the industry right there. So Cedar Point, which had some of the worst food in the industry 15 years ago. Uh, boy, have they turned around, right? Right. Uh, let's. Com- we did confirm. I just looked at it. It is April 8th. So the park's not open yet. Um but why not, uh, you know, just make a trip to Sandusky and, and check this out. It's going to be, you know, it's unique, not something you see every day, right? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've only had a couple of um, solar eclipses. Actually, one of the times I had a sol- that their solar eclipse came over, I was driving to Cedar Point, but the 8th is a Monday, so might have to take some time off work or whatever, but uh, that would be worth it. I, I think it's really interesting. I, I would definitely be interested, but I imagine... Yeah, I was driving difference- to... Yeah. Yeah. I was driving to Greensboro the last time I saw the solar eclipse. I was at a gas station, you know, filling up my tank. I was, oh, it's coming in the next 45 minutes here. Let's just hang out here. And uh, other cars were lined up along the street. And it was pretty cool. Yeah. Is that the time, the first time you stared directly into the sun, Don? <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting. All right. Let's move on to questions from our listeners. Yay. Uh, Ryan, you got the first I one. I do. This one's from Xander. I, so I imagine it's Alexander. If I had a kid named Alexander, I would call him Xander because I think that sounds like a freaking superhero. So cool name, Xander. But uh, so this is a tough question. Um, so what are the, some of the things you guys would like to have seen slash or sorry, seen done slash added to a Jaga Lake had it not closed? Um so I, I guess like part of the thing is we're going to have to answer it twice because one of which is we have to put our business caps on and say, what would we have added that would have made sense? And also our like park fan caps on talking about what would have made sense from a guest standpoint. But um, Don, from a business standpoint, let's start with that. What do you think that's Geauga Lake could have used? I don't know if it's what they could have used, I think. I would have tried to maybe get back to the roots of what Jaga Lake was, uh, you know, for just literally millions of people, you know, in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. I think, you know, it kind of lost its way when a decision was made. Let's compete with the big boys. You know, let's try to compete with Cedar Point. Let's try to compete with Kings Island. Um, And, you know, it was was basically it was a local park. You weren't getting a lot of, you know, the coaster enthusiasts would go from all over, but, you know, you weren't getting – you know, people just to go there from four or five hours away. So why try to be something, you know, that you're not? Why try to compete with Cedar Point when you really can't? You can't compete with Kings Island. So that would have been, you know, one of the first things I would do is let's get back to our roots. What worked? You know, it was a place where, you know, families and friends went to have fun. Uh, Company picnics. I think that was a nice niche for them is, you know, you had the Cleveland, the Detroit, um, Toledo, that area right around there where you could have, um, you know, gone after for the picnic business. And I think they could have been successful continuing to do that or getting back to doing that. So it wasn't what, you know, necessarily what I would add. if I was uh, in that position to do something. I would have just tried to to just get back to the roots of what made it successful. Yeah. Uh, personally, so I only went to Geauga Lake once and it was the second last year that it was open. Um, but my understanding is that even in its worst years, it would be dead all year, except for like the last weekend or two when they had Oktoberfest and it was packed. So I would say probably go the route of festivals, you know, have two week yeah. run festivals and stuff to draw people there. Um, 
Now, that's where it gets interesting, because are we talking about in a universe in which Cedar Fair owns it? Because they have no incentive to draw people there from Cedar Point, you know, which which ties into probably one of the reasons why they hunted on it rather quickly. But yeah, I would say festivals, um, they would probably do Halloween, hopefully Christmas. They're kind of away from the lake, so it's probably not terribly cold there. Um, a spring kind of thing in the in the spring and you know, summer stuff in the summer, I, like the, the possibilities are endless. You know, I'm not going to write their marketing plan yeah. for them. I'm just a podcast host, but uh, that's the direction I would go. Now, Don, as an enthusiast, what what my thought is for those of us that live in the Cincinnati area that I would essentially have to drive past it to get to Cedar Point, what could they have added to make it like a two day trip? So you stop at Geauga Lake for a day and then go to Cedar Point for a day. Well, I, I don't know that it would have been about the hardware. And I think that was one of the problems that they had is, is the more hardware they started adding with the throw rides and that, the more expensive it came to operating and running the park every day. So um, for me, I, I don't know that you could have added anything that would have made a difference in terms of, of the throw rides. But I think what you were talking about, you know, making it uh, the festivals, mm-hmm. there's different events, uh, the seasonal events. Think that could have been something that uh, you know while you're planning a trip to side trip to go to Jaga Lake, because there's something different there. You know, have a good dark ride. You know, those kind of things. Something you weren't going to be able to experience at Cedar Point. You know, have Steel Vengeance, Millennium Force, uh, Magnum. You've got um, you know Raptor, Mavericks. You're not competing with that lineup. You know, if you're if you're that close. So. I don't think there was anything that you could have really added there that would would have made a big difference. Yeah, I agree. Um, If we had to choose rides, I would say the mentality that I would take is um, add things that Cedar Point doesn't have. uh, So you're not a wooden coaster like 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 a Mystic Timber a prowler one of those kind of coasters. yeah a good quality wooden coaster like that a modern one you mentioned a dark ride that's fantastic but um, the last thing you want to do is add. Uh, a not as good RMC or a not as good stand-up coaster, right. a not as good sit-down coaster, uh, because you're just playing second fiddle and you're you're playing right into that. Um, and honestly, I think that that's I like when I yeah when I went there, I, I enjoyed just you know walking around the park, just kind of a laid-back, uh, you know, type atmosphere compared to you know the hustle and bustle that you see at some of the bigger parks. That was kind of charming to me when I first started going to Jaga Lake was just that it wasn't as crowded. It wasn't as busy as all the other parks. And you could just take your time and just enjoy it. They had, a, you know, just a great view up there, you know, of, the, of just the area. And that. I mean, I, I really enjoyed yeah, I it. I really like that floating walkway between the two parks over the lake. That was really fun. Um, yeah, the lake was beautiful. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the possibilities were there. And I think that it's kind of safe. I mean, we just did that Flash episode about how Cincinnati's Coney Island's closing. And I hate to say the two things are tantamount because they're really not. But at least you and I, and we discussed this in the episode, well, we can take refuge in the fact that at least it's becoming an entertainment facility. While the last I heard this was becoming like a Target or something. But I don't know. Um, it's a shame what happened. But okay, Don, why don't you take the second question before you yeah, bum that, me out that, anymore? But, uh, that there is a there, there is the yeah the moral of the story there is, um, and this is for any you know whether it's a amusement park whatever it is any kind of brand, um, you know, know who and what you are, and just stay the course with that and not try to to be some 
because I think that's where it went off the, you know, made it made a wrong turn when they started to try to compete with the bigger parks. Oh, no, no doubt. I mean, that was I, again, I only visited the one, so I don't have firsthand experience. But my understanding is that they added what two coasters one year and then another the next year and stuff. And so on one hand, operating expenses were way higher. On the other hand, it was drawing crowds. It couldn't stand like it didn't have the infrastructure for, for the crowds it was drawing as a result of these new attractions. Um, and I guess that's just another lesson in being incremental in a lot of cases too. Um, what, what park needs to add two new coasters in one year? Like, uh, you have to be ready for it. And I think that like, if you look at Kings Island, for example, they do a lot of like, okay, we're building a coaster here. So we have to repaint this coaster and we're going to put pavers down here. I mean, the infrastructure is there for a lot of people already. So they got that covered. But as far as a lot of people are going to see this, we better clean up our house um, is a good example in this. And they weren't ready to do this. They had a plot of land. They had the infrastructure for a few tens of thousands of people max. Uh, and they were drawing much more than that for a short while. Everybody had a terrible time. Then nobody went back, you know? All right. Cool. Well, our next question comes from CP Coaster Lover. It says, I'm going to Kings Island's Winterfest for the first time on December 30th, and then at Carowinds for their Winterfest the next night. What are things that you recommend I should do to have the best first-time experience on those nights? Great question. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. So uh, I haven't been to Carolyn's Winterfest. Uh, I'm familiar with the product though. Uh, I will tell you that their tree is based off of Windseeker, which is weird. So go to the tree lighting at Kings Island. Uh, the tree lighting ceremony is awesome. Uh, you have to go. Uh, the other thing at Kings Island is uh, Tinker's Toy Factory. I don't know how it is at Carolyn's. I know that they have it, but I can tell you that the one at Kings Island is my favorite part of the event. Uh, so I would highly recommend seeing that. Uh, and then if you're constrained for time, that's when you kind of add the, la the, the, la uh, the crossover stuff at Carowinds. So like the parade, the parade's probably almost identical at both parks. So you can catch one or the other. Although personally I would catch both cause the parade's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's the direction I would go. What are your thoughts, Don? Well, definitely the Tinker's toy factory and the other shows, I think look at the show lineup for each park and try to pick three that you want to do and you don't want to miss. And then I also think ice skating hmm. is something that you want to experience because there's just something about skating at Kings Island, you know, International Street, the Royal Fountain. You've got the Eiffel Tower, you know, um, decked out as a 314-foot-tall uh, Christmas tree. It's just, you know, just picturesque. It's a good time. Uh, so make sure that, uh, you know, you at least try ice skating. You don't have to be the best ice skater. You can hang on to the boards walking around, you know, just taking little steps or something. But just get down there at least, at, you know, at least try it at King's Island with ice skating. You don't want to miss that. Yeah, I agree. And if, you, if you're going to ice skate, it's way more special at King's Island because you're skating on the fountain on International Street. At Carowinds, they have an ice rink. You can ice skate, but it's not uh, it's not. The novelty, the yeah. It's not the novelty of skating on the fountain. But hey, have the best of times. Uh, Winterfest is fantastic. Um, and from what I understand, Kings Island and Carowinds have the best Winterfests. 
So you're really going to have a heck of a couple nights and a long drive in between if you're not flying. So travel safely and uh, have a great time. Make sure you shoot us a tweet at attractions underscore GRP. Let us know how it went. Send us some photos. We'd love to hear. Cool. Hey, Don, this is our last episode before Christmas. It is. It's already, you know, Christmas. Uh, the year has just flown by. I've had a great time doing these podcasts with you. Uh, we really appreciate all of those who, uh, in, you know, have listened to the podcast, uh, this and the attraction or, or this and tower topics, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know, we really enjoy seeing the questions that come in and the different feedback that we've gotten, but it's, it's been a great time. It's been a fast year and, you know, we have a lot of really cool things we have planned for 2024, uh, with the two different podcasts, you know, we experimented with a meetup at Entertainment Junction uh, back in November. There's going to be more of those uh, coming up. We're going to be visiting some different parks and inviting you, our listeners, to join us at those parks for a day of fun. Um, I think that's a big part of uh, when you have different events or get-togethers at a park. I think the camaraderie uh, really makes it special and being able to put, uh, you know, meet new friends. And, uh, you know, you just look forward to doing that over and over again. So a lot of fun things planned, you know, right now where, you know, you see us, you know, if you're watching on YouTube or listen to us on your favorite uh, podcast apps, but we hope to get to, to out there and get to some different parks and, and get to actually meet and get to know a lot of you. Yeah, it was great uh, at the meetup, uh, actually meeting some of the people, because a lot of the ones that uh, that came to the meetup were the ones that sent us questions and stuff. So it was really cool to shake hands with all these people. That was really one of the highlights of my year was mm -hmm. getting to meet everybody. All right. So Don, for you and everybody else listening, uh, have the merriest of Christmas seasons. We really appreciate, uh, everybody sticking around and sticking with us as we grow this thing. We really appreciate it. Uh, Hanukkah ended, I think yesterday. So if you celebrate it, I hope you had a wild time. Uh, I don't know when Kwanzaa is. I think it's a little after Christmas, but Happy Kwanzaa to you as well. Uh, we will have an episode next week, but if you don't catch us, because that is a very, very busy week for a lot of people, have the happiest of New Year's for 2024. Hey, I'm Ryan Sir, along with Don Helbig, and this is the Attractions Group Podcast. We'll see you next week, everybody.